Happy New Year and welcome to the High Reliability Podcast. This is our first podcast of 2021. It's January 7th, so I hope you all had a nice holiday and Happy New Year. I'm your host, Peter Martin, president of Goslin Martin Associates. As you probably know, the High Reliability Podcast is focused solely on the healthcare facility management professional. It's sponsored by the Career Hub. The Career Hub is powered by Goslin Martin Associates. So if you haven't checked out the Career Hub yet, please do so. You can link to it off of our main website at goslin-associates.com. So this is another episode, though, of So You Want to Be, with the focus today on interim facilities management. We've um, done a couple of So You Want to Be episodes. We looked at So You Want to Be a Vice President, uh, So You Want to Be a Facility Director. I enjoy doing these um, episodes because we talk to people who are actually in the roles. And today, I thought we'd focus on interim facilities management. And I am joined by Jim Barron. Jim is a healthcare facilities management professional. He's got more than 25 years experience. He's worked of 25 years of experience in healthcare. He's worked as an interim executive, consultant, mock surveyor, and director for hospitals and hospital systems across the country. In his role, Jim has had accountability for engineering, construction, compliance, EVS, biomed, safety and security. He's done department reorganizations. He's done department team building. So he's got a great array of uh, experience. Jim has been employed, self-employed in interim capacity for for many years now. We'll get into that with him in the very first question. Jim's also a 20-year veteran of the Air Force. He has his MBA and he has his CHFM. So Jim and I uh, speak frequently when he is out on the road. He's always one of our go-to guys when we do hear of an interim role. And Jim, thanks for joining today and welcome. Thank you, Pete. I appreciate this opportunity and uh, our long relationship at uh, Gospel Associates. I appreciate that as well. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. No, I I, I appreciate it. As you you and I have talked before, um, people are always wondering about interim. They're talking about interim, um, and I think even more people these days with the chaos that's occurring in healthcare and the retirements and the lack of people, um, interim's certainly a popular topic. So let's start right at the beginning, Jim. How long have you been doing interim work in healthcare facilities, and why did you decide to go the interim route? Um, That's a good question. And uh, as anybody that's gone to ASHI and sat in the room to talk about the uh, latest codes coming out, and you look around the large room with so many people around, and you see a lot of white-haired and gray-haired folks sitting there, and you realize that the, the population of us professionals that are taking care of the hospitals today are getting older. And... Uh, we're, we're in a position now where we know a lot and we've done a lot and we can do a lot for the hospitals, but how much longer can we actually do it? And so uh, there was a point in my time in my life when I was telecommuting from uh, Las Vegas to Nashville for a job um, where I was building tools for a company for uh, hospitals, basically uh environment of care type things. And uh, as I was telecommuting, I, I told my wife, I said, we need to go to Nashville so you can take a look because it's very different from the desert. So anyway, long story short, we ended up in Tennessee and 
the job turned from developing tools to selling them and uh, found out my weak point, which was sales. I'm not very good at, at sales. Great at fixing things, not so good at sales. So um, we decided to part ways, and I was sitting there going, okay, what am I going to do now? I'm sitting in the hub where 80% of all the hospitals in the U.S. are owned, uh, right here in the Nashville area. Um, I'll just reach out to them. And the only thing open at the time was everybody said, I need an interim. I need somebody to plug in to take care of things while we're looked for the right fit. And I went, interesting. I've never even heard of an interim. So kind of went down that rabbit hole. And uh, first I didn't know what one is. Now I is one kind of thing. So uh, for the last five years, I've been doing the interim role, popping in and out of hospitals, filling in voids, and uh, mostly helping them get back on track. Um, there are hospitals out there that don't know what they don't know. And so when you go into these hospitals, you're a fresh face with fresh eyes and you're very learned, and so you know what you're looking for, and you start pointing out things, and they go, geez, while you're here, could you fix that? So I know later on we're going to go into a little more depth in those, so that's kind of how I got started in the interim role. Oh, so almost, I mean, in a way, falling into it, I guess. Did, yes, absolutely. Did you, you know, when you move them, moving from the uh, desert of Vegas to Nashville, and you're still in the Nashville area, um, yeah, that was a big change in a couple of different ways. But you, you like it geographically. You, you were happy to get out of the heat and humidity and and go to Nashville. I guess you get heat and humidity there too, but much different. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of funny. I was standing on Music Row. Um, looking at all the places there and, and a taxi cab passed by and it said Nash Vegas. And I went, <laughs> huh? <laughs> and so I guess I traded one Nash entertainment Vegas. Mecca for another, but uh, yeah, it's definitely a change in environment. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a popular place too. You hear lots about Nashville and lots of people uh, considering that area. Um, so what's it like, you know, can you compare for people, what's it like to be an interim employee in an interim role to a hospital employee role? And is, is there one that you prefer being? Um, yeah, nothing like putting me on the spot there. <laughs> um, I would Sorry. say a hospital employee... <laughs> A hospital employee is an indoctrinated staff member who knows the organization. They they know its character. They know its flaws. Um, they know most of the players and how to get things done. And they, they have the uh, advantage of having time on their side. When you're an interim, you walk in not knowing any of those things. The only thing really that you know is you have a starting contract of a period of time, and that's that's what you're going to start with. 
not always what you end with, but what you're going to start with. And so knowing that you have a finite amount of time to really try to understand those things as quickly as possible. And then there's an expectation there that is not always um, apparent. So in other words, you walk in, you meet the CEO, you meet the COO, you meet the team that you're going to be working with, but they don't always have an expectation. In some cases, the C-suite is thinking you're more of a placeholder for the incumbent that they're going to hire at some point. In some cases, they're hiring you because they know there's a problem. I'll, I'll give you a for instance. Um, the CEO of a very large hospital uh, got notification that they were in the window for a joint commission. And so he summoned in the director of facilities and said, hey, we're in the window uh, for joint commission to come do a survey. How are we looking? And the guy said, oh, that's good to know. He said, well, it was nice working with you. I quit and walked out the door. <laughs> so, really, you know, the CEO <laughs> obviously knows there's something not right here. This is not normal. Um, oh, my gosh. What have we yeah. missed? What wrong? And so uh, I, I got brought in and started looking around and, uh, Fortunately, they came at the end of the six-month window, and um, we had a lot of work ahead of us. They hadn't looked at uh, their MedGas uh, survey they'd had annually, but they hadn't looked at it in five years. So there was some serious, serious issues, and it took quite a while to get all that cleaned up. Uh, and it just went on and on. I mean. They hadn't done their damper inspections. They hadn't done a lot of things. And it was due to the person not really knowing what they were doing when they were collecting a check. <laughs> and I guess they held out to the last second and decided time to escape. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, getting back to that. Uh, must have known the day was going to come. <laughs> yeah. Um, so there are several reasons to hire an interim, and I would say that the two most often are a, a predecessor, you know, walks away or is fired, or there's a special need. Um, in other words, somebody has looked at it and said, I don't think we can handle this internally. We need to bring an outsider in, either as a consultant or as an interim project manager, something like that, you know, whatever the title happens to be. And then that person assumes the mantle and takes care of business. Uh, the team left behind in the first scenario is kind of skeptical about who you are and what you're able to do in such a short time while a successor is searched for. And in that latter one where mm. uh, the team and everyone else is suspicious of the outsider um, is needed to do something that they can they, they think they can do. Either way, you need to make friends and show leadership at the same time. Um, this is best done by talking up the team rather than individualizing. And the reason that I say that is when you start individualizing, it looks like favoritism or you're focusing in on a certain person as opposed to 
hey, this is going to take a team effort. The team needs to be involved in this. And here's where we're going to go and what we're going to do and how we're going to go about it. And when you start providing that kind of leadership and focused on the team, then they start acting like a team. As opposed to, hey, I've got the the boss's ear or I've got the specialist's ear. Um, I'm going to try to take advantage of that. You know, whatever mayhem ensues after that. Um, and then the other thing that they stopped a lot of key areas there. I was going to say, you know, you you talked about expectations. You talked about making friends, showing leadership. You, you hit on a lot of key things. But one of the things that struck me, or or I thought of this, you know, you talked about when you're coming in to a role, you don't know. You know, you use the term indoctrinated employee, which I really liked when you're talking about somebody who's there. Uh, a hospital employee versus coming on the interim, you're not always sure of the landscape. How do you, like, do you feel from the time you walk into an interim assignment, do you feel pressure from day one or hour one to start producing results for them? And how do you manage that internally? Like, how does Jim manage the expectations of the client, when you don't always know those expectations, you're under the gun to produce, yet some of these things like making friends and showing leadership, that takes time. There's no shortcut to that. So how do you deal with all of that that must be going on in your head from the moment you start in an interim assignment? Yeah, when you when you go in as a special specialist and you're they they have an expectation they want you to do a specific thing and that one's easy when you go in as an interim to fill a yes. void uh, they they you ask them what their expectation is i mean that's the obvious thing is communicate a lot of times they don't know they don't know what the person did before you came and they're not sure what they need you to do but there's something amiss and you need to go find it. Um, I try to add on to that by asking what keeps you up at night. And I do that to try to get their trust and to try to get them to open up about what bothers them. Cause a lot of times there's something that bothers them about that's happening in facilities. It's happening in plant management. They hear rumblings or grumblings amongst the staff. Uh, there's something that has bothered them and they haven't mentioned it because they're not sure what to do about it. So I take that off their shoulders and I execute that. And it could be something as simple as the showers in the doctor's lounge uh, are, are too cold. Wow, really? <laughs> well, you just fill out a work yeah. order and you yep. get that taken care of. You know, that's how we think about that. But they're not sure what to do about that. But they hate hearing it from the doctors, and it's gone on for a while. Uh, you take <laughs> yeah. that off and you take care of it for them, and they think you're a hero. Gosh, I didn't even know it was really that big of a problem, and you just took care of it. That's great. Um, things like that. And then things that you find. When you walk in, I'll give you an example. <laughs> I was at a hospital, and I was there for six months waiting for Joint Commission to come in. And uh, I happened to be standing outside my office talking to somebody, and they leaned back against the door, which moved. 
and I realized there was labels on it. And I stepped up and I looked at it and it was a fire door. It wasn't on our inventory. It hadn't been PM because we walk in and out of it 60 times a day. And I hadn't noticed yeah. that fire door. So there's things that we see every single day and just don't recognize it because we see it so often. You know, the forest for the trees kind of effect. Um, and so you, it's easy to go into a place and find the foibles, find the weaknesses, find the problems. Um, and then addressing them is a little different. You, you, sometimes you don't know what your budget is yet. Um, you don't know who the right people are to talk to. Um, if I close down this corridor to make some fixes, how does that affect the traffic that goes through the hospital? There's a lot of those sorts of things that you don't know. And that's where the team comes in. They can help you through that process and kind of evaluate what needs to be done and when and how and, and all that sort of thing. That's what I was, you know, talking about the team and, and, and talking about the staff, because um, you're usually in a very visible position. How do you manage staff and how do you get buy-in from others who might be sitting around that environment? You know, they might be on the environment at care committee. They're not necessarily facilities people, but they're clinical people, you know, they're doctors. How do you go about getting buy-in, establishing credibility when you know that there are probably some people there who just by nature of the fact you're interim and or consultant, there's a natural skepticism. How, how do you erase those boundaries? I think it's when you start to talk and they go, wow, this person knows what they're talking about. Or I've heard that term before. I'm not sure what it means, but it, he sounds like one of them. <laughs> I, I think it helps sure. <laughs> um, you have credibility when you start making things happen, especially when you start tackling those things that have been a nuisance. You know, our nurse call system goes down all the time. I'm not sure why, but it's really a pain. Um, the doctor showers not being warm enough. Uh, a leaky ceiling that happens over and over and over again. And, um, you know, you take care of it. They, When you start taking care of problems, they go, okay. They know what they're doing. I'm not fixing the ceiling. I'm not fixing the, the plumbing problem. I'm not acting. I'm not the one turning the wrenches. I'm just the guy that's facilitating getting it done. And I think that when mm -hmm. you fall into that interim mm -hmm. role, you've got enough experience and have seen enough things that you're able to make sure those those uh, events get get taken care of. The other thing that I that I didn't Jim, get to are Pete, some of the uh, yeah. if I could just add. Um, one of the other things is when you walk sure. into a place and you're the unknown entity, there's some skepticism of, am I going to lose my job? Is this guy going to reorganize and cut staff? You know, is that why they brought this, this guy in? He's going to be the headhunter. Um, is he looking for people to get rid of? And I think you have to walk in and meet with your team and allay those fears that you're not the hatchet man. That's an HR job. So if HR starts coming around, be worried. Right, but right. You don't need to worry about the new guy because I'm in here to make sure things go smoother and that there's leadership, you have representation, and I'm here to work with you, not against you. 
Yeah, that's a that's a critical point. I know that when Jack and I go out and we do department assessments, we'll speak with employees, and we always tell them that as well when we sit with them because there, there's just you're almost um, programmed to think if there's a cons- you know consultant means cut, you know. So we'll tell them right at the very yeah. beginning, we are not here for that. That is not our role. That's not our intent. And you can. You know, sometimes you could, and and they're told that before you even come in. But I think sometimes they hear that, and you can see that relief, and it just makes it, you know, it, it takes away that barrier, or at least puts it on the table that you've, you know, you've addressed it, and it's not the elephant in the room. Exactly. Jim, what are, from your experience, what are some of the limitations in the interim role? I think the biggest limitation is time. Uh, You have time to make, do you have time to make a real lasting change? Um, Time to build teams by putting the right trained resource with the proper tools and working in the right, um, the right type of teams or the right processes. must work they must work with a, an established way of doing things even if it's wrong and what I mean by that is you hear we've always done it that way or we've been doing it that way for years and sometimes you don't have time to fix that you have to just work with it and you know so it, you don't always have the time to change minds change processes change procedures and so you make the best with what you've got. Is there a and typical length? You don't have is it, or does that just depend on what the need in the organization? I, I think when they look at interim, they're saying we need to bring somebody in to fill the void until we can find the right fit. And sometimes it's... Um, they, they go, hey, we'll, we'll go with three months. And then it turns into four months and five months and six months <laughs> um, because the right fit is not always that apparent. Right. Yeah. But, the, the time's but having enough time you... to... Do I what? You know, do you, when you, you you talked about time, sometimes at the end of these interim engagements, do you not regret? That's not the right word. Like, do you not want to leave because maybe you either number one didn't have enough time, or number two you've established some of those relationships and 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 you you know you're on a you you're on a positive trajectory and you've accomplished a lot, but now you have to move on through nobody's fault. It's just the end of your assignment. Does that happen? Absolutely. At every assignment, regardless of whether it's one month mm. or 10 months, at, at every assignment that has happened. And it's because you develop these relationships with these people and they and you know that they've now trusted you and they're counting on you to help them make a difference. And when you start making those differences, there's a pride that they have in their work and their place. And you've now indoctrinated yourself into it I'm talking about the indoctrinated employee you've now indoctrinated yourself to it and so you have uh, a standard that you want to, to 
to fit uh, or meet, and you have the ability to continue it on. <laughs> but unfortunately, time has run out. Time for you to go and somebody else take over. <laughs> and, and that's very tough. That's very tough. Yeah. No. So, and that certainly sounds like it's one of the benefits. We, we've talked a little bit about limitations. What are what are some of the benefits of of being an intramural? And when I say benefits, I also mean you know, if there's somebody who's considering going intram, they want to be you know go out and work on their own. What are some of the benefits that they might realize? That's a great question, and I'm going to take a few minutes to answer this one because I think there's misperception misperceptions out there about the interim life. Uh, the pay is good, uh, but there are no benefits. And I will tell you that uh, uh, being retired military, I have benefits because of that. And so I don't necessarily need them to take care of my family. But the more places you go and the more you learn how to fix problems and pick up best practices, if the suite, if the, the C-suite is uh, amiable, you can give them much more than what they expect because you do carry those best practices with you and you are that third set of eyes from the outside view looking at their organization and their facilities and infrastructure. So you can do more with that. Uh, either way, you can leave the organization in a much better place than it was when you found it. The good and the bad is you make a lot of new friends and forging relationships, uh, some of them lasting. And some of the folks you see again later, the bad thing is you leave them. And you leave them sometimes with half-done projects, uh, partially done policies and procedures, uh, plans that you started and weren't able to finish. Uh, you reorganized and then the new person steps in and goes, yeah, I need to leave my mark. So I'm going to change things. <laughs> and they do, they make it their own. <laughs> and that's the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But you know, you've got these folks that you've made relationships with and they're going, man, they're contacting you say, man, this new guy, are you sure that he's the right per right fit for us? Because here's what he's doing <laughs> or here's what she she said about you. And, uh, so, you, you know, you've just got to uh, take, take that with a grain of salt. Yeah, yeah. Got to have a thick skin, I guess. Right. And I would say the downside of the, of the benefit is um, you have to leave home. You uh, leave your family behind mm. and you hit the road and uh, you're no longer home. And it's hard to make a home somewhere else. I mean, you're living out of a suitcase mm. in a hotel or corporate housing and uh, don't have your friends and family around. and uh, just makes it a lot tougher right now with with COVID. Uh, you know, back in, in January and March, there were a lot of hotels that were just closing their doors. A lot of restaurants that closed their doors because they weren't sure what they were supposed to do. But that was kind of the word that came out was you need to to close down. 
And uh, so no no sources of food in, a, in one place that I was at. Um, the grocery stores closed down for a short period of time to figure out how they were going to make things safer. Um, and so there was no food. And the hotel was giving me notice that uh, they wanted me out of there because I work in the hospital and I could possibly bring it back to their <laughs> guests. Uh, so that made it really tough. And, and uh, uh, I, I would say that now that we're a little more experienced, it's not quite as bad. You know, you've got curbside pickup and and uh, hotels that they've, they've taken a whole floor and said, okay, all you hospital workers can stay in here because there's so many travelers now uh, working in hospitals. Uh, so it's a little bit better right now, but it's still not good. And, uh, and so for that reason, there's not any interim jobs out there right now. And so that's kind of the downside. The good, the good thing is, is the money's good when it's happening, but uh, when it's not happening, you can't get unemployment because you're you're uh, self-employed, and uh, you know the bills don't stop just because the pay did. <laughs> so you need to make yeah, sure that you're right. prepared for that. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, yeah. I always say to guys that are retired. If you want to make a little extra money, you might think going into this business. But if you've got a family to support and a mortgage and all those sorts of things that uh, you really need to have a steady paycheck, this probably is not for you. And I'm just being honest. Yeah, that's fit. that's great advice. I mean, that's that's why I'm. Um, Happy to have you on. You have to hear that. It, you know, going back to that that story when the hotel said that they didn't want you anymore. What what did you do? <laughs> well, the first thing that said was you got to give me some time to find a place to go, and uh, and then I I was <laughs> yep. on somebody's couch for a little while, uh, and uh, <laughs> finally they they just said you know. I think we're going to go ahead and just let you go so that uh, we can deal with this. Can we call you? Can we you know, do remote? And so I, I came back home and uh, after I got tested so that I was clear to come home and be with the family. Um, and so I worked remotely for a little while and uh, that that's really tough when you can't lay your eyes on it and they're, trying to do video and <laughs> the internet somewhat spotty sometimes yeah. and uh yeah it, it it's a little bit tougher that way but uh, we got it done yeah you've you've given some good concrete examples of you know some of the challenges um you know in the interim role what about you know if somebody who's thinking about this from a marketing perspective, and I know, I mean, I'm not a marketer. I'm sure you're not a marketer. There's people who specialize in just marketing. How do you market Jim Barron? And especially when you're starting off, I'm sure people will ask you, you know, I want to go the interim route. How do I do it? You know, what do I do? You at least have a track record of success. People know you. How about if you're just starting out in this, you haven't done interim before? How, how does a person market themselves? I, me personally, now that I've been doing this for a while, I think LinkedIn is a great resource 
not only can you meet a lot of people like-minded people or people in the same profession, but it has the option in there to be able to post yourself, um, put your resume in there and open yourself up to recruiters. And there's a lot of recruiters that use LinkedIn. So that kind of helps get you out there and get your name around. The other thing is you can contact some of these companies, um, that specialize in like uh, traveling nurses and um, uh, engineering uh, folks that have engineering consultants uh, because usually they're talking to hospitals and they're finding out what some of their their needs are and an engineer is a very talented and educated person but they're not a facility manager and so they know the technical ways that things run, but they don't know exactly about how to fix them, how they inter integrate with other things, um, how it affects the hospital and patient care and uh, the continuity of care, things like that. That's kind of beyond them. So they like hooking up with people like us and being able to ask questions or uh, fill voids. So that's a, another good way to market yourself. Hmm. And I would also, just to amplify what Jim said, you can always call myself at Gosselin Martin Associates or Jack. He, he forgot to add us in there as ways to potentially market yourself. <laughs> as soon as there was a pause, I was thinking that. I was like, oh, Pete's going to jam me up all now. Right, all right. <laughs> no problem. No problem. This is a, uh, we're, we're, we're podcasters now. We're not uh, recruiters or educators. We're podcasters. <laughs> right and obviously there's no Jim, video otherwise i've been able to see your face <laughs> <laughs> and we stay away from video <laughs> the voice is enough is there a um and i'm speaking with jim barron jim's a healthcare facilities management uh, executive professional um, we're talking about interim roles in healthcare facilities management jim's been doing it for many years now about five years and we're speaking about interim facility management, but Jim, is there a, um, and we've talked a lot about positive and negatives, but you've been doing it. Is there something, uh, a positive or a negative people who are considering an interim career should know that they would really never think of before, you know, something that hit you, you know, one of those things that hits you only through experience, would you learn it? Yeah. Um, so once I got going as an interim um, and I started getting a lot of calls and emails saying, hey, uh, are you on, a, on an assignment right now? Because I've got this, this opportunity. And it would lead you to think that there's a, just a plethora of jobs out there in the interim industry um, just waiting for you to jump on board. That's really not the case. Um, I've actually been contracted to go somewhere and the day after I left, so in other words, I've, I'm arriving at the, the destination for the, the assignment and they say, oh, the, the client changed their mind. It's like, but I have a contract. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, <laughs> we're going to use the... We're going to use the at will clause and uh, in that contract now. And it's like, okay, but somebody's got to pay me for my time and, you know, traveling and da, 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 da. 
and we were have to work that out. But uh, I would say that the the hardest part is that when you're on assignment, you get all the calls, and when you're needing an assignment, all you hear is crickets. And uh, a lot of times, recruiters will tell you, "Hey, I've got this great gig going," and you find out that it's really a friend of a friend to let them know about it. And it actually closed out a month ago. And so uh, back to the, the grinding stone you go. And so some of those sorts of things, that's why I say if you, if you need a job, if you need a steady paycheck, the interim life is not for you. Um, you know, stick with a, a permanent job and, wait until you're retired and have time on your hands and the wife's bugging you about the honeydew list and you need to get out of the house and interim work is really nice to have. <laughs> Not that that's ever happened to me, honey. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's situational. <laughs> yes. Situational. Absolutely. Final question, Jim, and I know we're, we're bumping up against a, against a hard deadline here. Um, and again, this is Jim Barron that I'm speaking with. Is there a um, is there a favorite assignment that sticks out in your mind? And if so, what was it about that assignment that that made it your favorite? Yes. So nearly every hospital has the same kind of departments and facilities. Um, they just vary more in size. Some of the larger ones can get very complex, um, bone marrow transplant, uh, some things that not every hospital has, um, helicopters, you know, our fleet of helicopters, um, the ICU trucks, um, those sorts of things are not normal. Uh, and so I, I was at a level one trauma medical center uh, that was the size of a city. And when I say the size of the city, it had its own police department. It had a fire station that belonged to the city, but it was across the street. Um, mm -hmm. The problems were fairly common to most hospitals. Not enough money. The infrastructure was getting dated. CMMS system was irritating to the tradesmen. You know, those sorts of things. But we had to build yeah. a water treatment plant because the the city was older and needed to replace its uh, mainline uh, water pipes throughout the city. And it stirred up a bunch of nasty stuff that we couldn't tolerate, our equipment couldn't tolerate. And so we ended up having to put in our own water treatment plant. And that brought in a whole um, new type of scrutiny where the EPA is actually wanting monthly updates and the CDC is inquiring about water testing and, you know, all these other things that um, you, you don't hear about and you don't know about. And I think those kinds of things where it's brand new or it's a situation that requires a lot of engineering and uh, a lot of money, uh, those types of things intrigue me. Because one, it's new, and two, I know I'm going to learn a lot from it, uh, and hopefully not have to repeat it anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> cool. 
how long I, did that I've done uh, a couple how times. long did that assignment take um that one i was there seven months yeah oh, okay. it was quite a while uh we we put in a chlorine dioxide um filtration system and treatment and uh and then we ended up having to sink a couple of straws into uh, an aquifer that was underneath the, the hospital to draw water as we we're completing some of these changes, you know, going off of the feeds and uh, needing to have water that was fairly clean and treatable. Anyway, it was very interesting. How I got to tell you, just How far down was that aquifer? Uh, uh, it was down about a hundred feet was all. Yeah. And, and it was actually the same aquifer that the city was uh, using uh, on the other end of town. So it's pretty good sized. But wow. Very yeah, interesting no stuff. I mean, you were going to say. Digging into that world. Yeah. So I was going to say a couple of funny things that I saw and, and some of your listeners probably have wonderful stories too. But uh, one hospital that I went to, I was talking with the facility manager, and um, he was very proud of something he wanted to show me up on the roof. And so we went up there, and he had put up a lightning um, resistor system up there to be able to absorb a lightning strike. And uh, I followed the, the cabling, and it wrapped around a, a two-inch natural gas line. And I started looking around, and I realized that all the, <laughs> the, the AC units that were up there were uh, heat pumps as well. So they all had gas lines connected to all 28 of them. And I went, you know, that's really ingenious. I think you'll be the first person to launch a hospital into orbit. <laughs> that's a, so that's sometimes a when you're going around... <laughs> I probably never would have caught that, except he was so proud of it. He wanted to show me what he'd done. And uh, yeah. 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 Inter interesting things happen when you go to different hospitals. I'm sure they do. I'm sure they do. Well, Jim Barron, I appreciate your time today talking about uh, interim roles and healthcare facilities. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for making time. Absolutely. Anytime for you, Pete. I appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. So this is Peter Martin. As always, I thank you for listening to the High Reliability Podcast. Check out our website for our latest new jobs that are out there, goslinassociates.com. Have a great day. We'll talk to you again soon. Bye now.